It's the very special holiday edition of the Learning Geeks podcast. We're going to celebrate the end of our first calendar year of podcasting with a look back and a look forward. And it's all coming at you on the Learning Geeks podcast starting now. All right, welcome back to the Learning Geeks podcast. Howdy, boys. Hey. hey there. Happy holidays. Happy almost. Happy holidays to you. We're at the, end of the, at the end of the calendar year. We've got Christmas coming up. Hanukkah is past. Wookiee Life Day is past. <laughs> Kwanzaa's coming, right? Uh, Kwanzaa's coming. I feel like this December, or at least the lead up into the holidays this year, took forever. I don't know. Maybe it was the long couple weeks in between Thanksgiving, but I'm kind of wow. ready for it to be here. I am absolutely the opposite. It was kind of <laughs> like, you know, actually one thing that's happened in living in a place where weather doesn't significantly change is sometimes I will wake up in the morning and I won't even know like what part of the year we're in, right? <laughs> that doesn't happen and here in Chicago. Yeah, but it happens to me occasionally. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I woke up and I was like, wow, well, you know, it's like, uh, it's the middle of summer and holidays are going to be, uh, wait, no, we're actually in the middle of this. So mm-hmm. it's mine's, mine's, mine's because of the, the elf on the shelf thing that you have to do oh, every single you day. Do that. Hide it. Yeah. Well, thank, thankfully I was supposed to be the creative one and being able to put it here and there. But I remember our podcast a while back, we talked about being creative and being told to be creative and you can't be creative. And this is the exact same situation. I have no idea where I want to put the elf every day. So Erica, my wife, usually ends up doing it. Um, and I'm just at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm sick of every night trying to figure out where does this elf have to go. So for folks who don't know that tradition, it's essentially a new marketing gimmick that is used to keep your children behaving well in the month leading up to December 25th, <laughs> right? It, yep. It's all just kind of extending the Santa Claus bribe. Yes. Is that pretty much it, Jake? Yeah. yeah, so Sally is our elf, and Sally's always watching. Always watching. <laughs> I saw the greatest uh, image the other day, and it was a, a model of Thanos snapping his fingers, and there was a pile of dust <laughs> and an elf hat on top. And someone had put, oh, someone had put the title, one of the greatest things that Thanos ever did. Oh, oh I have to fantastic. find that picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, guys. Okay, so before we dive in, I just want to mention this. Uh, we went to see Mary Poppins Returns yeah, last yeah. night. Uh, no it? spoilers, but how was it? No, we really liked it. We really, really liked it. And it was a super holiday movie for the family. I went with Harrison, my oldest son. Uh, unfortunately, my wife and my other son were both too busy because the busyness, I think, causes stress that would have been uh, would have been helped by the fact that Mary Poppins Returns is a very uplifting and has a lot of good morals story. So I think that good you report. will. I think that yeah. you will love it. And M- Emily Blunt, amazing. That's like, great. I-, I actually think I liked her better as Mary Poppins, and I like Julie oh, Andrews. Boy. Wow. Yeah, because she's got this sense of danger about her, like fun danger, mm-hmm. right? Where, where Julie Andrews, I love her as Mary Poppins, but. You know, you always kind of feel safe with her as Mary Poppins. With Emily Blunt, you're kind of like, where exactly is she leading me? There's a little bit more of that trickster story. And that's that was the intent of the character, too, is, to, is right. supposed to be be like that. 
Right. Okay. So highly recommended movie for the holiday. Mary Poppins returns, uh, still angling for that Disney sponsorship, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anybody from Disney who wants to sponsor us, that's great. Otherwise, you know, blue apron, we're down for it. Uh, quick toothbrushes, <laughs> uh, any other people who typically uh, sponsor podcasts. Yeah, yeah we're, we're here for it. We're here for it. Okay, so here's what we want to do on this podcast. Uh, we're we're going to divide this into two halves. And the first half, we want to take a look back and we want to reflect on teachers who have been influential to us as learners, to the three of us as learners. So we're going to spend some time doing that. And then we're going to take a look forward and talk about what are our learning resolutions for 2019 things that we want to learn or how we're going to go about doing that or how we're going to continue to influence the field. So that's the idea. That's the frame up for the show. Uh, Jake, why don't you kick us off with the look back and tell us about your influential teacher? Sure. So I'm actually going to kick it off with a little bit of an ode to the teacher. So um, I was, uh, you know, I thought about this topic uh, a while back and I was, I wanted to write a blog on it. So I started writing some of it and I thought, you know what, this would be good to kick it off. And then, then, then we can kind of explain those teachers that we think are the top of mind. So over the last couple of months, like I said, I've been really thinking about the role of the teacher. And when I say teacher, I'm not just thinking about your traditional teacher you can see in the K through 12 or higher ed space. Um, you know, those people are definitely a part of it. But I'm also looking at other teachers that have helped guide, support, and truly teach you to push yourself to gain those new perspectives, to encourage you to find answers on your own or with others, but always still there or right there when you need them the most. Um, and I've, I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast and everywhere else that today we're at this crucial juncture when constant changes or adaptability is a necessity for everyone. And that information surround us, surrounds us in various channels. But feeling lost, overwhelmed, or even feeling distracted is just all too commonplace. Much in part because I think a lot of us like to do things on our own. It, it's, you know, we think we have the answers. If we don't, we probably have access to them right there. So it's really easy to think we can do that on our own. So perfect example. So about two years ago, around this exact time, I was hitting the lowest lows I think I've ever experienced mentally. I had high anxiety levels. I actually had a few panic attacks. I feared everything. Always something, something was always life-threatening. I personally didn't even believe I was capable of being myself again. So at that time, I felt more alone than ever, but I didn't think I needed a teacher. I believe personally that I could work through it, learn how to build the techniques to overcome it. And then eventually I hit a breaking point. I seriously broke down. And if it wasn't for my mother-in-law, someone that has gone through it multiple times to teach me about these unknown feelings I was having, or my wife that taught me about thinking about today, the positives, or even my counselor at that time that taught me to just talk things out. I seriously really wouldn't have any idea where I would be today. So going into that alone, whether that's something that's serious, like what I went through, or if you're just trying to get uh, better at something to make you a better candidate for that next job or the role just, you know, just isn't fun. And that's where the teacher comes in, which is 
someone or something that supports you through it, helps you see what good looks like and something or someone that does guide you. So I know I will continue to have a major role to play in my own learning because it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility to learn. But at the same time, you know, even the best learners still need a solid support structure to make that work, which I have a role to play in that too. And that's the reason I personally got in this profession is I love helping people find those aha moments to teach. And I think everyone here, at least listening and everyone else, is a teacher in some way um, and has a role to do that. So I encourage everyone to kind of just take a step back and think about your current role and think about how can I support my friends, my family, my peers in their learning process, because I guarantee you they're looking for a teacher too. So that's my ode to the teacher. And I wanted to send it off to you guys to say who has been your more influential teachers, at least not just in the past year, but really throughout your life. Well, I love that, Jake. Thank you for for sharing that. And I'm sorry that I didn't know that you had gone through that a couple of years ago. So I'm sorry for that. I had had a similar experience probably 10 or 11 years ago where I finally got to the point where I had to call out and get some help. And so I had a similar experience to you. And I wonder, I wonder how many, how many people who are teachers who are learning professionals, that is the type of people who would listen to our show, are kind of in that same mindset, right? Where it's like, you love to teach, but you don't necessarily want to be the person asking for help, right? I can teach exactly. myself, thank you very much. Um, I, I wonder how many other people like that, because I traditionally have been. I have been too, for sure. Well, I'll go ahead and dive in then. And um, I, I am going to talk about K-12 teachers and <laughs> it was kind of funny as, as which I is went okay. through, which I is mean, I, I have a, I have one on my list too. So it's yeah, not like, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to cover the college space. So I think okay, cool. we'll, Great. Run, we'll run the Perfect. full gamut. That's awesome. Perfect. Well, it, you know, here's the thing. I was so blessed with my K through 12 experience. There are very few teachers I had during those years that I, kind of look back and they're like, yeah, I didn't really like so much. Most of my teachers I loved, they all had different impacts on my life. So it, it was kind of hard to choose here. Um, and the person who I'm choosing is actually even a little bit more awkward because I'm not really in touch with him, but I am in touch with his wife on Facebook. And his wife was also one of my teachers. So Mrs. Toomey, I want you to know, like, yeah, I loved you as a teacher too. And, and one of the things that I loved about <laughs> you, because I know you're going to listen to this because I'm going to send you a link, is you were one of the first teachers who really pushed me, who, who kind of saw in me that I could be more than I actually was. And who pushed me to uh, to achieve that. And while it was uncomfortable for me at the time, I look back and I realize that you had that impact on me. So thank you very much. Um, but I am going to talk about your husband, uh, Don Toomey, who was my social studies teacher in, I think it was two years. I think it was sixth grade and seventh grade. But the reason I'm picking Mr. Toomey is because my love of learn by doing that I have carried forward into my professional career was really fostered by what Mr. Toomey did for me and my classmates in his class. So as I said, he was our social studies teacher and he would basically divide the year up into four units. So, you know, one quarter of each year devoted to a unit. And there were two things that he would always do. First off, the very first day of the unit, 
would be a significant learning challenge. So for example, there's two I remember. One is before the Africa unit, we got in one day a map of Africa with all the countries in Africa. And we were told the next day we were going to have a quiz on all of the countries in Africa and we were going to have to fill in the names of all the countries. So we had one night to cram and memorize all of the countries. And it's like, do I remember them later? Well, maybe not so much. I don't know what my recall is, but a lot of them I have. But I just remember like the challenge of that was so fun, right? It was like, can you do this? Can you actually get 100% by memorizing these in one day? That was really cool. Uh, another one that he did was when we had our Japan unit, we had a list of like 50 Japanese words that we had to come up with definitions for. And this was before there was an internet, of course. So everybody was in the library, like working together and collaborating and trying to figure out the what all these words meant. So very, very cool. But the learn by doing experiences were even better. Um, and again, I'll give you two examples. One is when we were studying early man and uh, archaeology, what we did was each of us created a, we created like stone age man artifacts, right? So you could do an ax or you could just do an arrowhead or whatever from, from different eras in the stages of early man. So we created these and then we buried them uh, and, and we buried, you know, we dug really deep and we put the oldest stuff down and then we, we put some more dirt on that. And then we put the stuff from uh, a little bit younger period in history down. And essentially we made archeology span pits and then we swapped our pits with another group of kids and we were archaeologists and we dug it out like an archaeology dig. And I learned cool. so much from that experience. That was great. Uh, another one just really quickly was when we did um, we, we did the economics unit and he did a simulation over three days. So, you know, it was it was three hours because we'd have it for an hour a day where we each were a country and we each had the list of goods that we created and we had the list of goods that we needed and there was uh, a currency and we traded with each other to try to sell what we had and buy what we needed. And um, I remember that. I, I remember that I finally had everything that I needed to get an A. And then in the last minute, I went back to my desk and somebody had stolen all of my oil. So if that person is listening to this podcast, I want you to fess up if you stole all my oil because <laughs> it made me get a B in it. But it was also a very good lesson, not just in in economics, but also in, you know, keep track of your stuff. So uh, Mr. Toomey, who was passionate about helping kids learn by experiencing things and reflecting on them and talking about them, uh, you are on my list for, at this moment, uh, most appreciated teacher. That's great. So Dana, what about you? Uh, when I think of most influential teachers, and we're asked that question periodically, right? And, but the name that always comes to mind for me is Dr. D. Kelly Ogden. And Kelly, um, he continues to be a friend of mine. I just got an email from him the other night. And when I get out to Utah, we periodically visit. Um, he was a professor of Near Eastern Studies and Ancient History when I was on a semester abroad program in Israel. And there's just a lot of things about Kelly that uh, I think qualify him as most influential teacher. First of all, he had a, a deep command of his topic. 
Um, he was not only bilingual and trilingual, he was quadlingual. And I don't know what comes after that, but he knew not only English, but Hebrew, Arabic, German, Spanish. He had background in Latin, very well published. But at the same time, you know, it, it, he's respected in, in all the professional circles, but he was able to connect with students almost as if you were peers with him. There were many times when I felt like, hey, hey, we're we're all learning this stuff together, right? But we really weren't, and we were learning at his hands. And there were other things he did, like he would immerse us in experiences. When we were there, we had a whole series of field trips where we'd go out to different archaeological sites and we'd review the historical background. But then he'd interject fun. And the way he would do that is by having, and this Bob is tied a little bit to what you were talking about, he would have groups of students do some reenactments. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're familiar at all with the Old Testament story of Joseph being thrown down into a pit, well, we went to an area very close to where that actually happened. And there was a pit there. And so there was a coat of many colors that was put on one of the students and we threw him down in the pit. And then we walked away as if we were abandoning him. Uh, anyway, it, the very, very... It wasn't a deep pit, was it? <laughs> well, it was, it was It was. not easy to get out of. Yeah, I would, we, we had ropes and stuff. Wow. But exactly, right? I mean, you, you do that and you go, I, I, to this day, and even though that was, you know, many, many years ago, I, I very clearly remember the story and I remember the environment. Uh, I remember the geography. Um, another, so you know, he immersed us in experiences. Another, like, he was very thoughtful about the activity-based homework he gave us. Another assignment we had during the four or five months we were there, he gave us a list. He said, here's 60 things that you must do in order to pass the program. And these are 60 things we needed to do around the city of Jerusalem. And basically he said, here's your checklist. There's the bus stop. Make sure you travel with other people. Don't be stupid. Good luck. <laughs> right. And, and that was it. So any free time we had, we would work the checklist. We'd grab somebody else. We'd say, hey, let's go to Yad Vashem, or let's go to the Alaska Mosque, or let's go to the Western Wall, or uh, let's go to Don't Pass Me By Pie, right? So he had a mixture of serious and fun things on there, 60 things that you must do in and around Jerusalem. So he, he gave us license to learn with minimal instruction, trusting us as learners, right? That we could go and we could figure the stuff out. And he made sure that it was a social thing. You do it with somebody else. He made sure that it was contextual because you were actually in the different environments. So he was a, a very he was a great blend of serious scholarship and fun. You know, for example, one day we'd be immersed in the study of ancient history or political science of the Middle East. The next day we'd be snorkeling in the Red Sea or hiking ancient ruins, right, or climbing in caves. So exemplary scholarship, fun, humble, um, and and to this day, I, I cherish the many, many things that I learned from Dr. D. Kelly Ogden. Love it. That's great. And I do see a lot of similarities between Kelly and Mr. Toomey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, as you were talking about, the, you know, the burying things in the ground and layers. I mean, I was thinking of some of the activities that we did there as well. I just yeah. I wrote down trust as learners, what you wrote, what you said. Mm-hmm. And I saw that in both where have trust that you will continue to learn. But at the same time, I'm going to be here, but I, I trust that you can hopefully figure it out. And then if not, then I can at least guide you right in the right direction. Yeah. But it becomes the learner's responsibility to go back with the questions, right? So, yep. well, okay, so that's the bus stop, but how do I, you know, get to this part of the city or you know, whatever the questions might be? Or trust that 
you can push me into this pit and I'm not going to break my leg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I still can't get, I'm still like that picture. I'm thinking Donnie Osmond in the coat of many colors (laughs) on the edge. Like, you know, I look handsome. I look smart. Okay. Um, (laughs) Let's shift gears into part two. So that was a look in the past. Let's look in the future. What are our learning resolutions for the year? I'll go ahead and go first. Okay. Um, And I'm going to cheat and do two. Um, So the first one is this. First off, I'm going to learn a lot of stuff during this year, right? Like I always do and and a lot of stuff that's applicable to work and everything like that. But there are two things that I'm kind of doing as experiments. So one is uh, I have been watching over the last four years as my son Jackson has been studying Japanese in high school, how he's been learning the Japanese characters, kanji, and I forget what the other alphabet is or um you know what I mean? Character set. Um, and he uses flashcards and I was like, I don't use flashcards anymore. It's something I did Mm -hmm. as a kid for math facts. I don't use them anymore. So I thought about learning Japanese characters along with him. And then I thought, you know, I really should do something I'm a little more passionate about. So I got a flashcard set for Oribesh, which Jake, you may know is the written language Mm -hmm. of the star Wars universe. (laughs) Um, which, I am doing because I found like they use it a lot now in the more uh, in the newer Star Wars stuff uh, in the cartoons, especially you will see Orabesh words written. And, you know, if you put it on pause and sit there with a decoder, there's usually interesting things to be read on there. And I thought I would love to be able to just read it. So I am learning Orabesh using flashcards. And I've kind of already started doing this. You know, so I've got geeky. it on my phone. Yeah, I know, totally. I'm using an <laughs> uh, app called Quizlet. So I have it all on my phone and going through and learning. Do so they have that in Duolingo, Bob? <laughs> I don't know, but they should. They should. Um, the second thing is this, is uh, I am taking magic lessons. So I've always been interested in magic. And again, with the, I can do it myself, right? Like I've kind of taught myself a few magic tricks, but never to the point where I had any level of expertise. Um, But as many of you may know, in Hollywood, there is a place called Magic Castle. It is essentially a private club that is like the clubhouse for magicians. And it's an old building in the Hollywood Hills. Um, A lot of the old Disney Imagineers were members of this club. And so when they were designing the Haunted Mansion, a lot of the inspiration of Haunted Mansion came from Magic Castle, but uh, they offer classes in magic. And then while you're taking classes, you are kind of an adjunct member of the Magic Castle, which means you have access to go to the club and have dinner in the restaurant, which is awesome. And, uh, and then basically sit and watch people do magic all night. They've got a couple of theaters and they just have people walking around saying, Hey, I want to practice a trick. Do you want to see that trick? So I am diving into that community starting January 5th. And that's one where my intention, I can't promise I'm going to be able to to keep in touch with it, but my intention is to blog through that experience and write about what I'm learning and also what I'm learning about how I learn through that. So those are my two learning resolutions for the year. That's great. I'll, uh, I'll jump in and go next. And then, you know, Jake, you kind of start us off. You can wrap us up. Yep. Um, I've got, I'm going to take, take two as well. Um, I don't know that mine are as well thought out as yours are, Bob. I, I, but as you mentioned, I too will be learning throughout the year. And there's some things I'm going to learn that I have no idea that I'm going to be learning. 
but there's a couple of journeys that uh, I'll be on. One is that I'm going to learn how to be an empty nester. Um, as the two of you and several others who listen to this podcast know, my youngest daughter is going to be graduating in December. Actually, tomorrow is right. her last day of high school. And wow. she will be starting her college career January 7th. So that's the last of three daughters. And um, so, you know, Julie and I, my wife and I are entering a new phase of uh, life being empty nesters. And so we're going to learn how to do that. And one of the things that we've decided to do is we're actually going to be doing a, a more travel than we've done in the past, which ties into my next learning resolution. And that is to learn more about Italy and the Renaissance art. So one of the trips we're going to be taking shortly after the new year is we're uh, spending about uh, 10, 15 days in Italy. Uh, we'll be going to Vatican City. We'll be going up to Florence. We've got a variety of areas we're going to go. And so I'm going to immerse myself in um, understanding more, not only about the geography, but also about the, the art and the culture. And uh, we really look forward to that. That's one trip that we currently have planned. We actually have several other trips planned in the States. Um, but, uh, those are the two things I'm going to learn how to be an empty nester and, uh, going to learn more about Italy and Renaissance art. So does that mean we get a, uh, another podcast episode talking about some specific museum that you visited in Italy? I think so. <laughs> I'm going to be watching for the next Vasa, right? What's the, what's the Italian version of Vasa? <laughs> the incredible details and facts that you came back yeah. with was amazing. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the Italian food, Dana. You're going to love Oh yeah. That. Yeah. Well, we've never been to Italy, so uh, I, everyone I talk to says, oh, you'll love it. So looking forward to it. I bet. Great. All right. So Jake, I'll, what do you got? Yeah, so I'll close it out. So I have a couple things um, very quick, but um, one, maybe more towards the work side. I am going to try to learn a little bit more about how artificial intelligence, or at least the behind the scenes stuff, actually works, rather than mm. just knowing at the high level. So I'm going to get more in depth into, you know, what is, you know, not just what is machine learning. I know that, but what is the actual, how does it work, the process of all that. So I'm going to get, try to see if I could slowly add that in throughout the year, um, just so I can have more in depth conversations about it and, and truly understand how it applies, uh, or at least it applies to our role as uh, learning people as we look more into some type of support mechanism or a way to pr provide more personalization for people. The, uh, the other one is I am trying to learn how to get back into distance uh, running shape. I used to run a lot when I was in college. I actually trained for a marathon. I made it to about 13 miles and said, I hate running. And then I gave up. Um, I wasn't training for uh, an actual race, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But um, I as I continued on and running, 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 I found I had a lot of injuries. And one of the things that I want to learn how to do now is to get back in the distance running shape because if uh, we haven't said this yet, but both Bob and I are going to be doing a half marathon in April at Disney, uh, Disney World. And it's the Star Wars, uh, is it Revival Run? Is that what the name of it is? Rebel Run? Yeah, Rebel Run, Rebel Run, something like that. Something but like it's, that? it's yeah. a it's a half marathon, Star Wars nerds, whatever. We all come down, we do our half marathon. And um, so getting back into that shape again, and then one of the things that I really want to learn is how to actually run properly, keep myself injury free, and what are all the steps that I need to do. So I know all those runners out there know that. I personally just ran and ran and didn't really care. Um, 
well, I pay the price. So I want to make sure that I am injury free. And then the last one, I need to learn how to keep my sanity while trucking around two kids in a double stroller, <laughs> fighting the traffic all throughout the other strollers and tired parents in the most magical place in the world of Walt Disney World later in the year. So I have to somehow figure out how to keep my sanity. So that's my my three things. Hey, Jake, I've got a tip for you on how to run safely. Don't carry a lightsaber as you're running. Don't <laughs> <laughs> chop off your toe. <laughs> Especially not an active one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, well, you know, you should write a book about how to successfully navigate strollers at Disney World. Because let me tell you, at Disneyland, there are people who need that book oh. very badly. I, I do get I, I do get anxious even just walking around with a stroller myself and with everybody else because I feel it's just a chaotic mess. The Whatever rule book there is, which there's not, but if there was, no one cares about it because it's just everyone... <laughs> goes from themselves. When we took our kids down there and they were smaller, we did the backpack thing rather than strollers. Oh, that's a good idea. Your girls are your girls are probably a little too big for that though, Jake, right? Yeah. I I'd, I'd be yeah. talking next about how do I fix my broken back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, hey guys, thanks for sharing that. And I like how many of these are going to be intertwined. So it's going to be fun going into 2019 yeah. and to be learning alongside you guys. Um, and hey, listeners, if you want to send us, number one, your most influential teacher, and or number two, your learning goals for 2019, drop us an email. Hopefully we'll get the email set up on the website uh, before January. But but you know how to get a hold of us. You can find us on LinkedIn if you haven't already. Drop us an email. We would love to hear that. But hey, guys, it has been a fantastic 2018. It's been great getting this podcast up and going. And I really look forward to keeping that going and learning more about this whole field in 2019 along with you guys. Same here. Totally agree. Cool. Happy holidays, everybody. So on behalf of Jake and Dana, this is Bob saying have a great end of 2018 and a beautiful New Year's heading into 2019 from the Learning Geeks to you. Best of luck. Thanks for being here. Take care. All right. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays, everybody.